This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Matt Johnson. Matt is a marketer, entrepreneur, podcast expert, and musician. As founder of Pursuing Results, a podcast, PR, and production agency based in San Diego, Matt runs a worldwide virtual team helping business coaches and agencies break in and dominate their niche through podcasting. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Roman. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get uh, into the industry and how did you get to the 2019 version of you? <laughs> uh, well, it's a, definitely a big question. So uh, I'll give you kind of a snapshot of, of where we're at and then I'll back up a little bit because I, I did, I bounced around a fair bit, which I think will, uh, will help people because I had to kind of take a, a circular route to where I'm at. But right now, um, I essentially run a marketing agency. We do one thing, which is produce podcasts for business coaches, consultants, and other agency owners. And uh, so we have about 10 people on the team. We've got a few interns and uh, it's all virtual. So I work out of uh, my place here in San Diego. Everybody else is either around the country or or in other countries. And uh, it takes me about a half a day a week to actually run the agency. So everything I do outside of that is uh, more long-term strategy, uh, finishing up the first draft of the book right now that's going to come out in a couple of months, and then I host my podcast. So when I first came out to San Diego a few years ago to work for another agency, I set that as my goal. I wanted to make a certain amount of money. I wanted to work about four hours a day, uh, which I, I actually, the only time I work more than that is, is if it's optional. And uh, so yeah, so I basically um, kind of hit those goals in terms of what I wanted to make and how, how much I wanted to work because I still have passions outside of business that I want to pursue. I know a lot of people that are listening are probably like that. So bouncing back a little further, um, the, the way that I got to where I'm at right now is uh, like 10 years ago, I had a real estate team. Uh, I shut that down in the crash. This is like 06, 07. Uh, I realized that I didn't like the client side of real estate. I loved the marketing and the team building side. And so that just kind of stuck with me. Um, I decided at that point to chase uh, a career in music for about five years and uh, got as far as being like signed to management and pitched to labels and all that stuff. We cut an album and all that fun stuff. Uh, and it just didn't go any further than that. I realized that the, the marketing skills that I had taught myself to kind of spread the music was actually a lot more lucrative if I just started helping businesses grow. So I joined an agency, got a shot at doing business development for them. The guy brought me out to San Diego. Uh, the CEO of that company is still one of my best friends. And uh, I ended up leaving to start my own, like just becoming like a freelancer basically and started marketing. And what I realized is that the most effective thing I could do for someone was launch a podcast for them. And then of course, over the years, I've gotten more and more dialed in on who I'm best equipped to serve, uh, which has helped. But that's uh, basically my background in real estate helped me get that job at the agency because their their clients were 90% in real estate. So it kind of all, all came full circle. It was, uh, it was a combination of my background in real estate, the fact that I had read all the books and knew who the players were, 
uh, combined with the marketing stuff that I taught myself of being a musician, landed me that job at the agency. And then that agency got me into doing live webinars, which uh, one of the guys I did webinars with pitched me on the idea of starting a podcast. So four years ago, I launched a show called Real Estate Uncensored and that took off and went really well. And that led to all the, the stuff that I'm doing now. So it's kind of um, a series of fortunate accidents. Nice. And uh, do you think like every or any business or professional can start a podcast? And what do you think are some of them? Obviously, we're in a podcast uh, interview right now and on my show. But mm -hmm. what do you what do you think or what have you seen as some of the benefits for your clients and yourself in terms of hosting and being on a podcast? Well, of course, you have the opportunity to build an audience of people who are listening to what you have to say, and it gives you a chance to lead them in a certain direction. I think that's one of the biggest benefits uh, in terms of hosting a show. Even when you're on your way to building an audience and you, let's say your downloads are still small and you're kind of in the early days, there's such a huge opportunity just by inviting the right people onto your podcast to build really good strategic relationships with people who can send you referrals. And to me, that's one of the most overlooked opportunities in podcasting. I mean, to me, it's one of the most overlooked opportunities in all of marketing period. And I learned this from my last uh, CEO that I worked for before I left. One of the questions that he would always ask himself is who, hold the, who holds the relationship with my ideal clients? And he would go out and build relationships with those influencers. And that's actually his key strategy for growth and it worked really well for them. And to me, podcasting puts that on overdrive because it gives you the ability to meet a lot of people. You don't have to fly all over the country. Uh, you don't have to buy a bottle of service for people at you know 3 a.m. in Vegas like he used to do. And so I haven't had to do some of those things that you used to have to do to grow an agency because I meet so many people through podcasting. And to me, that's uh, that's one of the biggest opportunities. So even even setting aside the opportunity to build an audience and build a group of people who are listening to what you have to say is the opportunity to build this network of strategic relationships with people who can send you referrals. No, I agree. I think like we talked offline, I've done about 75 interviews since March and it's kind of building, you know, a database of professionals that not only that I can lean on, but maybe refer to one, like one another and creating this like awesome network in terms of not only referring clients or business, but you know, a knowledge base. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's always the opportunity for you as the podcast host that you get to go out and talk to the people who can teach you something. Uh, I just had the, the very good fortune last week to interview one of my personal heroes, the guy that co-wrote the book Scale, uh, who started a really well-known uh, business coaching company. And yeah, that like we finished up with the, uh, with the interview and he happened to be coming into San Diego next week. So we're going to get together for breakfast. So like one, one casual podcast conversation on a Zoom video conference can turn into really good in-person relationships and you never know where those will take you. Um, I mean, they've led to collaborations, startup opportunities, joint venture opportunities, uh, referrals, all kinds of fun stuff. And yeah, it all starts with just having a good conversation on a podcast. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, it, it's beneficial because obviously not everybody is able to talk or in person in terms of networking. And I think people are more comfortable in terms of doing interviews and being on as guest experts on podcasts where it may feel like you're a little bit, you know, not on the spot when you're in kind of a social networking setting. Yeah. And like, especially when you're meeting the influencers and stuff, I mean, it used to be uh, pretty much the only way you could meet some of these people if they were well known in their space was to show up at a place like in a, a conference where they were speaking and you try to meet them like after they get done with their speaking engagement. 
Uh, and I can tell you from experience, like when you get done speaking uh, at a breakout session or, or, you know, in like headlining in front of a, a bunch of people, you are not fully conscious <laughs> when you get done speaking and people are trying to shake your hand and stuff like that. It just, you're not fully present. You're not there. You're, you're still coming down off the high of speaking and you're barely paying attention to what people are saying. But that used to be one of the only ways that you could meet influential people. Now, uh, if you have a podcast, you can either uh, invite people onto your show or you can pitch yourself as a guest onto their show and you can have a really good in-depth 45-minute conversation with them that you would never have in between sessions at a conference, even though it's in person and theoretically that is more impactful. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's great to be able to, you know, shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye and, and meet that way. But I, I've had, you know, really, really good luck with meeting people through podcasting and then following that up by meeting them in person. And there's already a connection and a bond built because we've had an in-depth conversation on a podcast episode that now when I meet them in person at an event, I'm not trying to get their attention in between a session. I just email them and say, hey, if you, are you going to be at this event? I'm going to be doing it like, let's meet up for a happy hour after the event, right? And then you're meeting and there's already a connection and a bond built. So the conversation flows even more naturally uh, when you're meeting in person for the first time after you've already talked through a podcast episode. So to me, there's all kinds of opportunities to leverage relationships through a podcast that right now is just not like people tend to overlook that. No, I agree. And I think building that initial kind of relationship, either with interesting guests, or if you have a podcast that focuses on, you know, a specific industry, building that initial kind of relationship, and that kind of natural, usually natural, unforced conversation kind of builds trust as well to begin with. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and it gives you a chance to talk to somebody in a different context. You know, it's, um, it's just it's different from meeting in person and it helps you to get into some some in-depth stuff right off the bat you know like if we and i were meeting in person you know the stuff about my background might not come out for 15 20 minutes here we can just start off right you can dig into the stuff that you want to dig into kind of right off the bat yeah i agree yeah. so what motivates you to succeed i've thought about this a lot uh the thing that motivates me the most is building and this is different for everybody. Um, so I think everybody, it, it takes some time to really figure out what motivates you. For some people, it's proving others wrong. For some people, it's sales. You know, it's closing the next deal. Like that's different for everybody. Um, it took me, I feel like a little bit longer to find what motivated me because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a creative um my agency is, is kind of an expression of who I am as a person. And I think that's true for a lot of people when they run small businesses. And uh, the closer we can get to figuring out what motivates us, the, the better decisions we can make. Because then we can build a business that's more intentionally kind of suited for us. So like for me, for example, once I figured out that building is the thing that motivates me, I started to be able to get rid of all the other stuff, like the other responsibilities that I had in the business that didn't involve building. So now... I have people that do the account management and, and interface with the clients, uh, which leaves me free to like build new systems, uh, build the business, um, write a book, for example, like that. It gives me that feeling of building and progress. If I can be building things for the future, I mean, that's why I started the UX podcast. You can see the artwork behind me. Uh, that's why I started working on the book in March. So yeah, it, it really helps. I mean, it's different for everybody, but if you can, the clearer that we get about what motivates us, the more we can start to get rid of the stuff on our plate that doesn't actually fit with the motivation because other people are perfectly willing to do that stuff if they're paid and well-trained and empowered. Uh, and then that leaves us free to do the stuff that we're really passionate about. And that ends up growing the business faster. I think. No, I agree. And I think for any person or business figuring out what their why is, and basically that's the foundation or the mantra in terms of the direction you're going to head. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing that you may have saw as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned into a strength and utilized today? Man, you know, it's funny because the it's it's the relationship building piece. So back in my old agency, I remember talking with the CEO that I was working for. And uh, it was right before I, I went and started my own thing as a freelance consultant. And yeah, we were both sitting around just talking about like, wh- where did I fit in within the agency? And what and I took me leaving to figure out why I why I had a hard time fitting in uh, at at that agency. And what I realized is that I had the exact same strengths as the founder, the CEO that I worked for. And and plus he was like seven years you know further down the path than I was, right? So he was really good, but at the same exact things I was good at. And so he could do things certain things faster and better than I could at the time. And I, like his strengths basically overshadowed mine. They weren't complementary, right? And so there, there's a there's a whole lesson there as far as like hiring people who are too similar to you. <laughs> that's that's not necessarily a good thing. You end up, you know, we need to hire people who are the opposite. But yeah, like uh, the relationship building piece was something that he and I agreed together that we weren't sure if I was very good at because I'm I'm on the introverted side. Uh, the thing is that podcasting solved that problem for me. So now relationship building is actually one of my strengths, but it's a strength because in the world where we're at right now, it's like the best time in history to be an introvert and be an entrepreneur because I don't have to be going out and trying to buy people bottle service at Vegas at three in the morning in order to get their business, right? You don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be trying to meet people in between com- you know, conference events to try to meet new clients. Um, if that's what I had to do to build my agency, it would have, it would have grown a lot slower. Right. Um, so the fact that, you know, just we're, we're living in the greatest time to be an entrepreneur with all the tools that we have online, but specifically podcasting, making it easier to build relationships actually turned something that I thought was a weakness into what is now a strength. Now I have to like supplement that. I've gotten more specific. So I t- I've taken my, I guess you might, my strength in building systems. And I've kind of applied that to relationships, right? So I've, I've, ma- I've done, built, you know, built some simple systems on the back end to make sure that people are added into our CRM. And I have a simple little system where if I want to send somebody a thank you card, uh, I have it set up to where my assistant sends the card and I'm, I send her a voice message on Voxer with the text that I want to go into it. And we use a system that cranks it out and looks like it's handwritten. So it, it makes it easy that if I, if I get an idea that I want to send somebody a thank you card, it takes me essentially 30 seconds and that card goes out the next day so with little things like that I've been able to kind of like augment that strength I guess with my other strength which is building systems to make sure that the things that I want to get done happen even though you know even though we're all busy and stuff like that and we live in kind of a distracted world I I help make up for my weaknesses by building systems behind the scenes that turn those things into strength so anyway all that to say uh, that's probably the two things it'd be relationships and then building systems yeah, I agree. I think that's very important. And in terms of kind of building a team as well, obviously there's a large trend in the global economy that um, you know companies and employees are either freelancers or obviously in a remote setting. What are some of the things you went through in terms of building your company and hiring employees and finding the right employees that are remote? Um, somebody said that like every kind of freelancers, especially, uh, it was actually Nate Hirsch from FreeUp who runs like a VA uh, marketplace. And he said that uh, freelancers break down into experts, managers and assistants roughly, right? So high level, intermediate and low level. I think one of the biggest mistakes and, and I've made it and most other people make it at some point too, which is hiring a low or a mid-level person 
and expecting and then treating them like they're an expert, right? Giving them like a headline of something you want done and expecting them to kind of build their own systems for how to get that thing done. Um, that's the biggest mistake. So I've made it um, and it's something that I have to watch out for. So if we're going to hire somebody who isn't, isn't an expert level, we can't expect them to build their own systems. We have to build it for them and give them something to plug into, especially the lower level people. And what I mean is just the, the people that are the entry level, they can, they're, they're doing things, they're doing tasks. They don't necessarily want to think about everything that they're doing. They definitely are not the people that are going to like help us lay out the strategy. So I see a lot of people hire freelancers or VAs or whatever, and they want to give them like a one page, like, Hey, this is what I want done. It's just a headline of what they, of what they want. And they're expecting that freelancer to kind of fill in all the gaps and know how to get them there. That person doesn't know that because they're not hiring an expert. So if we get those things, like just solve that and understand who we're hiring and understand that for the most part, freelancers and virtual assistants and all those people, they want to come into something that's systematized. They want to come into something where the expectations are clear. They want to come into something where they know what their performance goals are. They know what they're being held accountable to. They want to know when they're doing a good job and when they're not. And if we can't give them that, then we need to hire an expert who can come in and help us build that and then move on so that we can hire a more a lesser skilled person and plug them into that system. So there's nothing wrong with being at that point where we don't have all of our systems built, but we can't plug a basic or a, you know like an entry level person into an environment that has no systems and expect them to thrive. I agree. It's funny. I actually had uh, Nathan on this week. I interviewed him. I met him last month at the uh, podcast movement uh, conference in Orlando. Nice. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, uh, and it's it's important in terms of freelance and uh, different types of remote employees. That's I think that's the future. I mean, I'm pretty much fully remote. I yeah. just need an internet connection and my phone to jump on a call or check on things. So I think that's kind of the way of the future. And a lot of companies are rethinking having uh, physical locations or just being limited to talent in a specific location because obviously you're not limited by a talent pool when you're employees and, and the pool itself is global. Yeah, exactly. Like um, my, my head of my head writer is in South Africa. We've got staff in the Philippines. I've hired people from, you know, uh, Romania and Lebanon and yeah, all kinds of places. And, and yeah, basically it gives you the chance that when you are like, for example, when I hired my writer, uh, the gal in South Africa, it was down to two final candidates. It was her and a gal in Missouri who had a journalism degree from I think University of Missouri, which is one of the best journalism schools in the country. So I assume going into that final test that the gal with the journalism degree who's based here in the States would kick butt, right? It was the exact opposite. The gal in South Africa it just came out and, and through that audition process, absolutely nailed exactly what I was looking for, right? And so yeah, it just goes to show you like, uh, it's, it's much better to find the best talent and then, and then build good systems so that you can integrate them into your business in a seamless way. Then try to build your business around getting talent locally because yeah, you'll never, uh, you know, businesses like ours where we can work with anybody in the world, we're gonna end up getting better talent. And then you can always figure out the communication stuff on the back end to get them integrated into your team in a good way. Um, I think that the teams like ours are gonna win because we just have better talent at each stage. No, yeah, I agree. And I didn't want to kind of forget, you mentioned that you're writing a book that's going to come out. What kind of motivated uh, you to do that? And what is it about? So it's called The New Media Machine. 
And it's about how business influencers can win the battle for attention uh, without being glued to their phone and, and essentially win it systematically and become micro famous in their niche. But I realized I was having a lot of the same conversations and I'm, I'm sure you run into this all the time too with, with prospects and potential clients. But to me, there's a very, very specific strategy that I want my clients to use and where podcasting fits into their business. And I wanted to lay all of that out in a book so that if somebody came across that book and they read it, the more things that they agreed with, the better fit they were for my agency. And if they didn't agree with the things that they read in that book, then automatically they would know and I would know that they're not a good fit for my agency. So it's partially a lead generator, but it's also just a platform for leadership because I wanted to get something into people's hands that was like my ultimate statement on my strategy for podcasting. Uh, so it'll, it'll end up doing a lot of different things. It's something that, for, like from an agency owner's perspective, it's something I can send to potential clients if I wanna just reach out of the blue and get something into their hands that generates leads. Uh, it also gives me an opportunity to do the whole Amazon bestseller status thing. Uh, it gives me a better way to leverage getting on more and bigger podcasts because as soon as you're an author, more doors like that open up to you. Uh, it'll also open doors for more speaking engagements if I wanna do more of that. So there's a, a bunch of different benefits but the main thing was I, I wanted to get something into people's hands that if they read it, they would come out believing more of the right things that would make them a better fit and more ideal client. Because to me, if you're providing a service, we don't just want more clients. We want more ideal clients. Yeah, I agree. You're kind of adding value, obviously, and then automatically also vetting to get you the right people through through the book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for, for those of us that provide services, like there's, there's certain things that we believe we have certain values and we have certain opinions about the way that things should be done to get better results. At least we should if we're doing anything that's different from our competitors. And so to me, like I want my clients to know what makes me different from my competitors. I want I want to be able to say things that are different from my competitors. I want the difference to be crystal clear, right? I want ideal clients to come in to me and stay ideal clients, right? Because they believe in the strategy. I don't want people coming to me and we launch their podcast and two months later, they're going, hey, can we not do a weekly show? Can we do like three episodes a week or can we do one a month? Or, you know, like just people that don't believe in the strategy. Because uh, that gets, like it, it just doesn't work <laughs> for, to run an agency when you've got people that don't want to follow through on the strategy they originally signed up for. So the more that I can get people to agree with me before they even come through the door as a client, the more I'll end up creating clients that I love way after I cash their check, right? Way after they sign up as clients. Like I want clients that I still love six months from now, 12 months from now, people that still believe in the strategy. Uh, so that, that was that was a big part. I mean, that's why I launched the podcast uh, and the book is just part of that bigger strategy to reach people with that point of view before they sign up so that I take people on and not only are they ideal clients when they roll in the front door, but they're still ideal clients like six and 12 months from now. Yeah, I agree. Having a client that's kind of uh, that relationship building and you, you know, respect each other and you have that ongoing relationship, whereas, you know, you may have or there's agencies out there that obviously have to take clients that they may not want or aren't ideal clients to obviously keep the lights on. But it's always nice to have your ideal client and build that, you know, long lasting relationship. Yeah, 100 percent. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Uh, I think that all, like all leadership starts with self-leadership. So I think one of the best things that we can do for us, whether you lead a team or not, our own personal performance is kind of the first thing to master, like our ability to motivate ourselves, our ability to show up on time and bring our best for you know a certain number of hours a day. 
once we master that, then we can bring people on and we can kind of plug them into that and they see that we're leading ourselves. So if we kind of try to start building a team, but we don't really have our own personal performance together, it kind of creates a culture where they can slack off and the, the expectations are a little unclear and things like that. So yeah, I think that just, you know, I think most of success in business comes down to leadership and all leadership starts with self-leadership. So there's always something we can do to be a better self-leader today. You know, mastering our, our habits and our rituals and routines and simple things like that goes a long way. And then once we've done that, or, you know, that like that journey doesn't really ever stop. But the more that we focus on self-leadership, the more we can bring a team in and we kind of have this natural respect and ability to lead them because they see that we're leading ourselves first. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important to kind of uh, make the distinction be between a leader and a manager, because not every manager is a leader and having that kind of showing that, you know, uh, that leadership within and, and basically uh, doing as you know, you're saying to a team is very important as well. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, you know, it, one of the one of the things I hear about the most is like CEOs, founders, visionaries, the entrepreneur types you know, rolling into meetings late. But then when one of their staff shows up late, they get reamed, right? Like, like just that, that's a very small example, but that kind of stuff will burn out a team and it, it will lower your, the, the respect level that the team has for the leader and it just, it corrodes everything. So little things like that, like one of the things that I picked up, I started doing it in my old agency and I'm not even quite sure why, because nobody told me to do it, but for whatever reason I started and I haven't stopped which is if I have an appointment on the calendar, I pick up the phone and I call at the exact on the dot time. Like, like as, as much as I can, like if I have a 9.30 appointment and, we, and we're scheduled for 9.30, I'm calling you when it switches from 9.29 to 9.30, like I'm hitting dial. <laughs> when, you, when you work with entrepreneurs and, and really busy, successful people, they know that they're not always great at that, but they respect it a lot. Just something little like that, it, because it's such a demonstration of self-leadership and kind of mastery over yourself and your schedule. Um, some people are like that and they respect it because they know how much effort that takes for themselves to do it. And then there's the other category of people that respect it because they know they can't do it and they don't do it in their life. Uh, but either way, that's, that's one of those really small tactical things that if you're, if you're in marketing, if you're in business or you own an agency or whatever, just doing little things like that that show that you've got mastery and control of your own schedule and your own performance makes a huge difference in building trust with potential clients. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of taking accountability as well. I mean, I've had, I mean, in business and in terms of the podcast, you know, interview schedule when people just kind of no call, no show, if you're working in an office and basically, you know, follow up, were we supposed to have an interview or can I jump in, you know, on another one? Well, I mean, do you do that in your professional life? Probably not. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of, even like you said, first impressions and in meetings too. Um, it's, it's important because you only have one first impression and building a client base and doing that from the you know client services side, I think they value that as well. Yeah, 100%. It's, it, trust is a, a hard thing to build, especially nowadays, and it's a very easy thing to break. So yeah, you know, having, having the mastery over your own schedule and your own performance, uh, it, it's so necessary because we, like in our relationships with clients, it only takes one occasion of that broken trust to maybe break it permanently. Now, sometimes we can repair it and we can keep going, but 
you know, sometimes it only takes once and that relationship is on kind of a downward spiral. So the more consistent that we are with our own schedule, with our own personal performance, the, the fewer incidents like that we'll have. And the more we kind of keep, we earn, we earn the trust of our clients and then we keep it over time, right? So that's, uh, especially if we want to have good long-term relationships with clients, the lead to referrals and repeat business and things like that. It's so critical just to have our own performance uh, down, you know, and then of course, then that spills over into our team. And when we set a good example, then we can hold them accountable to do the same thing. Yeah, I think that that's very important. And I think that kind of constant growth, I think uh, leadership isn't, you know, I'm a leader now, you know, let me do my thing. Like you said earlier, kind of uh, reevaluating yourself. And I think constantly growing and picking up skills and soft skills like uh, emotional intelligence, how to deal with your team rather, you know, if they're remote or in person and with your clients as well, I think it's very important. Yeah, hundred um, uh, percent. Yeah, I just did an interview with a, a client of mine, and he said something that EQ is smarter than IQ, which I thought was really good, and it's true. You know, one of the like he places um, C-suite executives into really like mid to big size aviation and aerospace companies. Like we're talking about, you know, uh, really big exa- like executive recruiting contracts. <clears throat> And he said a lot of times that's the difference between an executive who succeeds or fails is their emotional intelligence. And it's hard to screen for. Uh, We're getting better at it now. Uh, But that's one of the things that he looks for whenever he places candidates is do they have the emotional intelligence to thrive in that environment? I agree. I think obviously there's other people that are skilled for that role. But I think that's kind of the, the X factor in today's economy. Yeah, it's very true. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you may have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So best place to find me uh, at pursuingresults.com. That's the website for the agency. And uh, and if you're in the audience and you're a you know business coach or consultant, or maybe you run an agency, if you're looking to break into a small lucrative niche and become the leader in that niche, that's what we can help you do. So you can go there, pursuingresults.com. Uh, if you want to just get started with being featured on a podcast, like we're having this conversation right now on Roman's, on Roman's show. And if, you, if this sounds interesting, if you want to do more of this, where you're showing up as the guest, uh, I did a whole training with a client of mine where we go into like how to find the best shows for you, how to reach out to the podcast host, how to make friends with the host, how to turn those relationships into referrals and things like that. So that is at howtogetfeatured.com. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Roman. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.